If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Back comes Vancouver. Tonight, cleared to play. Details on the news Canucks fans have been hoping for. Plus. I was really alarmed. I think I have the right to feel that way. Questions and concerns after a pharmacy administers expired COVID vaccine. And... I'm giving you all my support and the support of the People's Party of Canada in your fight. A tense anti-Soji, anti-trans protest in Vancouver that attracted a federal party leader. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news. The Vancouver Canucks have been given the green light to resume training and play after a COVID-19 outbreak sidelined the team since late March. The National Hockey League said pending test results, the Canucks will reopen their facilities for practice tomorrow with a plan to play the Edmonton Oilers on Friday. 21 players and four coaching staff tested positive for, the, for COVID. And the Canucks say a single player had contracted the virus in a public location before it spread through the group. And we will have more with Richard Zussman coming up in just a few minutes. But first, two vaccinations. The pause in the AstraZeneca vaccine for everyone but 55 to 65-year-olds has meant that many in that age demo have been heading to local pharmacies for their shots. But as Julia Foy reports, some of them were given expired vaccine this week, and that is causing some concern. I was really alarmed. So I think I have the right to feel that way. Marie Casas is still looking for answers after her 65-year-old husband received an AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine shot on April 5th. A day later, Savon called him to say the vaccine had expired three days before he got the shot. As a public, we should be wary of what's being given to us. We have the right to ask questions. Savon Foods confirmed to Global that 10 patients were given expired vaccines by mistake saying, we have sincerely apologized to these customers who were impacted. We've taken steps to tighten, refine and reinforce our operational processes and related guidelines to ensure this remains an isolated incident. It was clearly a mistake. It was a mistake made at a location. Health Minister Adrian Dick says thousands of vaccinations are happening safely every day. Lots of steps are taken on a regular basis to ensure that it doesn't happen, but it happens. One UBC adjunct professor says people shouldn't panic about this mistake. In the case of the vaccines, the expiration date doesn't mean that if it's, um, let's say, uh, expiring today, tomorrow you cannot use because that is not made in this way. Marie says her husband has been told to get a second vaccine in 28 days and perhaps a third shot four months later. But Bach says that may not be necessary. Check these people after the second dose and say, you know what, you have enough antibodies. Means that this ten shots that you, this 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 group received, it it was uh, okay. 
Dick says moving forward, people shouldn't have any reason to worry about their vaccine expiry date. Generally speaking, we're going to be delivering vaccine months in advance of any expiry date from now on. As for Maria, she's going to ask for a bit more guidance. We'll be praying about this. Julia Foy, Global News. A warning to anyone who visited Sun Peaks over the past 10 days to self-isolate and monitor for symptoms. The resort community is dealing with a spike in COVID-19 cases. Sun Peaks Mayor Al Rain said there have been about 20 confirmed cases over the last few days. That's double the number of cases in the community in the past 12 months. The mountain closed for the season on Monday. Contact tracing is now underway, particularly for employees and visitors who left the area. After a rise in COVID cases among first responders in Surrey and Whistler, Vancouver's fire chief is now joining the calls for immediate vaccinations. Kristen Robinson has more on the unique staffing challenges for those on the front line and why the provincial immunization rollout for essential workers remains paused. With every call, the added risk of being exposed to COVID for those already on the front lines of the overdose crisis. We don't have plexiglass in front of us and we're hands-on on the streets and we're in people's homes. Vancouver Fire Rescue seeing staff bringing the virus into the fire hall after unknowingly being exposed in the community. Chief Karen Fry echoing calls to vaccinate firefighters and police now. We can't work from home. This environment is our home. 11 staff at Fire Hall 2 are on duty 24-7 in tight quarters. Any positive COVID tests mean members must self-isolate, but as an essential service, they can't close down. We are doing our best to try and um, be as proactive as we can to reduce the risk to our staff, but we can never reduce it all. We want to obviously get them immunized. Uh, no one could control what happened uh, with the AstraZeneca. BC's plan to give first responders priority vaccination access was stalled when the feds halted the use of AstraZeneca in those under age 55 due to concerns over blood clots. I know it's difficult to be patient. We, they are high priority for us, first responders. We made that clear uh, several weeks ago, and they continue to be high priorities. Police also pushing for the vaccine rollout to resume. The VPD union says only a few members have received the shot, mostly due to being in the right place at the right time. Many other workers in the downtown east side already immunized. There's a little bit of a feeling of, uh, you know, when's it our turn? Fry has no criticism for the B.C. government. She's just asking for a pivot to reprioritize firefighters and police. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And Richard Zussman joins us now live with more on the vaccine rollout and the Canucks return to play. Richard, clearly a good sign that the province is allowing the Canucks to go back to the ice. It sure is. We heard from the Canucks for the first time yesterday, Colleen, and they said that the team is slowly recovering from COVID-19 and they are now into the next phase after the last positive test from a player came earlier this week. We knew that Coastal Health had to sign off on a return to play. It seems they now have, as the Canucks are set, to get back on the ice tomorrow. The question is, will there be any lingering health effects? When Health Minister Adrian Dix spoke about this issue yesterday, he said the focus now should be on the player's health rather than a return to the ice. All right, and Barry will have more on the schedule and how it's changed coming up. But um, Richard, bookings for the age-based vaccine rollout moved up again today. Who's now allowed to register to book an appointment? 
Yeah, so this is a big piece here, choline. The 60 plus group can now go and immunize as part of the province's immunization registration process. So go and register either over the phone or online for the 60 plus group. The bookings will take place over the next few weeks. So it's two steps here. You have to register first and then you will get notification when you are able to book. This is a pretty large group. So let's have a look at some of the details associated with this announcement today. So there are around 300,000 people encouraged to register in this group between 60 and 65. The 65 plus group has already been asked to register. 650,000 people in total have now registered and everyone 67 and plus have now been asked to book. So it's a tiered process that is taking place over time. And another part in all this, Colleen, there has been this nagging rumor over the last few days the province will be going into a lockdown on Monday, shutting down businesses. Health Minister Adrian Dix was asked about that today, and he unequivocally said no. There will be no lockdown announced on Monday, but do expect those restrictions that expire April 19th to be extended at some point, potentially as early as Monday. No surprise there. All right, thanks, Richard. A pilot was lucky to escape after his plane crashed at Boundary Bay Airport today. The plane went down in a grassy area on the northeast part of the airport just after 11.30. The plane caught fire and firefighters from Delta responded. Fortunately, the pilot was the only one on board and he escaped with minor injuries. The plane, however, appears to be a write-off. We are getting a look tonight at just how close a car came to hitting people when it smashed through a wall at the Uptown Mall in Saanich. Police are releasing these photos of the vehicle that stopped just a few meters from the Walmart deli counter. People in the store had to be rescued, including from a commercial freezer. They all suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Crews had to cut a new hole in the wall to get the car out. No word on the cause of the crash, but it is under investigation. Also on Vancouver Island, RCMP are investigating the death of a child at a local motel. Just after 9 o'clock last night, police and paramedics were called to the Falcon Nest Motel on the Trans-Canada Highway in Duncan for a report of an unresponsive child. Despite first responders' attempts to save the young victim, the six-year-old was pronounced dead in hospital. North Cowich and Duncan RCMP assumed conduct of the case and officers are expected to remain at the scene into Sunday. The B.C. Coroner Service is also probing the circumstances around the child's death. A person was found dead on a property in Prince George early this morning. Police were called to a home in the 1100 block of P.G. Pulp Mill Road after a report of a disturbance. They found a person dead at the scene. Police say they're in the early stages of their investigation, but it's believed to be an isolated incident and there is no risk to the public. Investigators say witnesses and residents of the household are cooperating with the investigation, but they would still like to speak with any other witnesses or those who may have more information. A Vancouver landlord is recovering after being stabbed by a trespasser earlier this month. Police say on the morning of April 2nd, the victim asked a woman to leave the back of his commercial building in the 6600 block of Fraser Street. She allegedly became aggressive and stabbed the man numerous times. He was able to escape and call police. The suspect was arrested and could face charges of assault with a weapon. The landlord was treated in hospital for non-life-threatening injuries. 
The Vancouver School Board could decide later this month whether or not to keep the school liaison officer program. A rally was held on Wednesday by those who want the program to end. That has prompted people who say the program helped them to speak out in support of it. Nadia Stewart has more. When Lazara Bratana moved from Miami, Florida to Vancouver, the last person she would have trusted walking through the halls of her school was a police officer. In Florida, we went through a lot of violence. I was shot four times. My family's been homeless, a whole bunch of stuff. We've never had luck with the police in the United States. Horrible. But she says the school liaison officer at her old high school, Britannia Secondary, helped to change that perception. My experience with police officers in school were always the best moment of my life because it was like he actually helped me how to go into college, how to apply for college, what to do next because I wanted to become a police officer. Ali Chaudhry credits the SLO at his school with helping him avoid being sucked into gang life. I was, I was falling off the tracks and he was able to help me out, sit me down at his office. Um, and guide me in the right direction and show me a little bit about what, you know, goes on out in the real world outside of high school and what that could lead to. Chaudhry created this petition, amassing signatures from those who support the program. When looking at the SOO program and how it's continued to impact BIPOC communities, we have to understand that the presence of police at schools has not been a positive experience for many. There is a heated debate on both sides about officers in schools and whether they should be allowed to remain. And while the school board hears concerns... But I believe that we do need to have a dialogue with them with what a new system could look like. This retired Vancouver police officer and gang expert is encouraging the board and students to find some middle ground. Sit down with the students. Say, what if we were playing clothes? and we look like one of the teachers. I can assure you a thousand percent that there's no policeman that wants to intimidate any kid. If I could, I would become a SLO myself. Ritana hopes some kind of compromise can be made and that both sides can find a way forward. Nadia Stir, Global News. Coming up next, the new mortgage stress test that could heat up our housing market even more. Plus. We have to put a stop to this vicious trans industry, and God willing, we will do so. An anti-Soji protest draws detractors and supporters, including a federal party leader. And the new locally shot film about one of the most beautiful things that happens here each year. Next. Despite travel advisories and an explosion of COVID cases across the country, the pandemic is not stopping the leader of one federal party from campaigning in B.C. this week. People's Party leader Maxime Bernier made Vancouver his latest stop today to support a controversial rally that does not support transgender children. A protest critics say sends a harmful and dangerous message. Paul Johnson has more. At Vancouver's time-honored protest place Saturday, you could find pretty much everything but the middle ground. It's crazy the country that we're living in today. On the steps and flanking them were members of Canada's far-right People's Party, outspoken evangelical Christians, well-known COVID denial activists, and even the soldiers of Odin, who appeared to be doing some kind of security detail. Confronting all of them were a group of activists concerned about the status of trans people. Some of them threw eggs, set off smoke bombs, and danced topless to make their point. Hello, everybody! 
Headlining the event was People's Party leader Maxime Bernier. You know, I'm looking what is happening in our country right now. We are losing our freedoms. And here today, that's the parental rights that is under danger in this country. Many here say they're outraged at the case of a B.C. man who's been jailed for contempt of court after a judge ordered him not to publicly disclose the identity of his child, who is trans. This story, they argue, is proof of a vast movement led by leftists and intellectuals to persuade confused young people to try and change gender against the wishes of their parents and their faith. And I believe that God created male and female. I just had that awful feeling that... Travers is a professor of sociology at SFU and a trans person who can speak from experience. They're also claiming that doctors and trans activists are turning kids trans when that couldn't be further from the truth. Though the police were kept busy, the event ended peacefully. The city of Vancouver issued a statement saying while they disagreed with the message, they recognized the right to free speech. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Arts Umbrella opened the doors to its new and expanded home on Granville Island today, and it's a big deal for a lot of kids. The nonprofit, which serves 24,000 young people annually, has moved its Center for Arts Education into the old Emily Carr building. The 50,000 square foot space will allow Arts Umbrella to stay on Granville Island, where, it's got its, where it got its start in 1979. The new facility has six dance studios, four theater, music, and film studios with specialized equipment, 10 art and design studios, a 132-seat theater, and a public exhibition space. When we walked through this building, uh, to say that it was perfect um, was an understatement. Arts education, we know, plays such an important role in the health of our communities beyond the, the, the whole nurturing of the next generations of artists. This new building represents a major sea change in what they're able to provide on the island. So we're, we're talking going from 18,000 square feet to 50,000 square feet and the inside of this building is unbelievable. Umbrella expects to support 15,000 children and youth each year in its new home. The organization has secured more than $36 million of its capital campaign and endowment fund goal of $37 million. The pandemic has turned a hot housing market red hot. And now this. Canada's bank regulator is proposing an even tougher mortgage stress test starting in June. The move is a bid to cool the country's overheated housing market. But as Global's Annie Gavin Viola explains the new rules are expected to heat the market even more between now and June 1st. The new changes proposed by Canada's top bank regulator mean that people looking for a mortgage would have to prove they could still afford it if rates went up to 5.25% or two percentage points above the market rate, whichever one is higher. That would effectively reduce affordability by about 5%. Here's the example of a household with an annual income of $100,000 with a down payment of 20% and a typical five-year fixed-rate mortgage. Now, before the rules come into effect, that household qualifies for a home worth $651,000, which is the average home price in Canada. After June 1st, $618,000. You can expect an even bigger frenzy of buying in the short term. Whenever rules are about to be tightened, we see a bit of a rush for home buyers to get ahead of that new uh, regulation coming into effect. So between now and June 1st, uh, 
we should actually expect this proposal to heat things up even further. This could mean first-time home buyers who've saved up a down payment could get shut out of the market until prices come down, at which point they would be facing a housing market that's more affordable. The proposed changes apply to uninsured mortgages, so people who've put together a down payment of at least 20 percent. But in the coming days and weeks, we could hear from the Ministry of Finance saying this applies to high-ratio mortgages as well. Anne Gaviola, Global News, Toronto. The Vancouver Cherry Blossom Festival is getting the Hollywood treatment thanks to a local film production company. Peacemaker Filmworks using drones to fill low film local trees in full bloom, including ones at the Stanley Park Rose Garden today. And they will turn that footage into a movie called In Full Bloom. Its world premiere will be at the festival's Sakura at Home event on April 25th. I wanted to build a drone that would give a unique perspective um, on the cherry blossoms and the little mini micro cinema drones uh, totally do that. As soon as you get inside the cherry blossom tree, uh, everything changes and the, and the whole world uh, you know, becomes micro, macro. And uh, you're, you're looking at everything like you're per the perspective of a bee. And um, it's just a, it's an angle on the cherries I hadn't seen before. So beautiful. And at Sunset Beach Park this afternoon, well, it was busy. People on the south coast enjoying the sunny weather. It appeared to be COVID safe with groups keeping their social distance from each other. And if you like this weather, meteorologist Yvonne Schell will have the forecast coming up in just a few minutes. But up next, what that late night snack may be doing to your job. Plus, what a surge in COVID cases in Ontario is doing to its hospitals. And deadly weather south of the border as a tornado rips through Louisiana. Next. Canada is a long way from having everyone vaccinated and COVID-19 variants of concern are causing chaos right across the country. In the last two weeks, cases confirmed to be variants almost quadrupled to nearly 25,000. And now health officials in Ontario say ICU capacity is being stretched to the limit. And as Catherine Ward explains, doctors and nurses say their biggest battle right now isn't the virus. It is an atmosphere of stress. Stress is in the air in ICU. Birgit Umagba says when she goes into work, it is a guessing game about how many people will be there. We never know how many nurses or even respiratory therapists or even clerks we're going to be having on any given shift. In Ontario, ICUs continue to fill up. On Friday, Critical Care Services Ontario reported out of the 1,846 ICU patients, 572 were COVID-19-related illnesses. 77 had been admitted within a 24-hour period. Ontario has about 2,300 ICU beds. In practice, though, we have far fewer because we simply cannot staff them. Nurses may be sick. They may have family members or children who are sick. And when that happens, they, they can't come to work for, for two weeks. The province took new measures to address the staffing challenge, implementing emergency orders to allow for the redeployment of health care workers to hospitals. But it's not necessarily a straightforward process to bring in people to work in an ICU. Experts say it's a job that requires additional training and specialized skills. It's hard on people to parachute people into units. Uh, we've, we want there to be it on a volunteer basis to start with. At the same time, we have to um, accept that they need training and support in, in the units that they're going into. That learning curve is very steep. And again, these nurses that are, that are specially trained are being stretched thin as is. Birgit says getting additional support will help, but the stress is still there. Of course, uh, any help right now is help. But again, we're 
putting band-aids on problems that are duplicating by the minute. Catherine Ward, Global News, Toronto. We're learning more tonight about funeral plans for the Duke of Edinburgh, who died on Friday at the age of 99. It comes as tributes, large and small, are paid to the late Prince Philip, whose son Charles spoke tenderly about him today. From England to Wales and Scotland, 41 gun salutes in honour of the Duke of Edinburgh. Loud and bright tributes to the longest-serving consort in British history as the nation enters eight days of national mourning. It's not just grand gestures being offered in memory of the Duke of Edinburgh. Members of the public too are coming to Windsor Castle and Buckingham Palace to pay their respects. Mary Lou Finlan, originally from Ottawa, came with her Australian friend, Joanne Hardy. I'm sure had it not been for COVID that this place would have been just packed. She is a fan of the Duke's charity work and remembers when he visited Ottawa. In the, the newspaper, they had a picture of him and the Queen square dancing in Ottawa and my parents were at that, at that event. It's obviously a very sad day. Um, we need to celebrate his life and uh, I think we're all marking the occasion in our own way. The most poignant tribute of the day came from Prince Charles. As you can imagine, my family and I miss my father enormously. My dear papa was a, was a very special person who, I think above all else, would have been amazed by the reaction and the touching things that have been said about him. The Prince of Wales and his mother, Queen Elizabeth, will lead mourners at the funeral next Saturday. The small televised funeral will be confined to the grounds of Windsor Castle, closed to the public. The ceremony taking place in St George's Chapel, where the Duke and Duchess of Sussex were married. Despite family tensions, Buckingham Palace says Prince Harry will fly in from the US, but the pregnant Duchess will stay home on doctor's advice. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. It was a night of terror in the heart of Louisiana overnight. This is unbelievable. It's devastating. I mean, you see homes that's just not there no more. It's just uh, unbelievable to see what we're looking at right now. One person is dead and seven others injured after a tornado moved through the Palmetto area at 2.30 in the morning. The National Weather Service confirmed an EF3 tornado with over 209 kilometer an hour winds. Six homes and two trailers were destroyed. An explosive second and third eruption rocked La Soufrière volcano on the eastern Caribbean island of St. Vincent Friday after a first eruption prompted mandatory evacuations for the area's 16,000 residents. Authorities on the site estimated the second eruption's ash column rose close to 50,000 feet high, more than double the size of the first eruption just hours before. Since the eruption's ash has headed east into the Atlantic Ocean. In health matters, it turns out that late-night bowl of ice cream or bag of chips can affect your job performance. Researchers in North Carolina asked about 100 full-time employees to answer a series of questions for 10 consecutive workdays. When the participants ate junk food at night, they were more likely to have a headache or a stomachache the next day. They were also less likely to feel, quote, helpful at work and were more withdrawn. Coming up next, more proof of a U.S.-Canada cultural divide. The link between this American beer ad and the COVID vaccine rollout. We'll explain next. 
You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Bolivia's Uru Uru Lake now has more plastic than water with discarded bottles, packaging, and toys. A dystopian image reflecting years of human pollution and the scar of climate change. This week, hundreds of volunteers gathered up waste from the surface of the lake, whose dried up waters have also been contaminated by nearby industry and mining. And then there's this using beer to encourage Americans to get vaccinated. We'll have that story for you right after Yvonne's forecast. And Yvonne, we've been talking about this forecast today because it's pretty spectacular. Yeah, it's looking pretty good, especially as we get in towards the long rains, the potential to see temperatures uh, bumping up, and I'll show you those numbers in just a moment. Windy today, though, but it was paired with some sunshine. This was a fantastic shot that was captured in English Bay. We've got a kite surfer out there making use of the winds, and this one was taken by Al, so thank you so much. Current shot of one it looks like over English Bay, we still will see very windy conditions. Temperatures are at 9, and we've got that westerly wind. It's sustained right now at 37 kilometers per hour. Numbers today, though, it was a touch cool. We bumped up to 9. The average for this time of the year is closer to 12 degrees. Victoria today, though, still getting into the double digits and cool with Williams Lake just topping out at 3. Peak wind gusts, for example, we did get over 50 kilometers per hour. And through the afternoon, areas near White Rock and Abbotsford with a gust of up to 30 and 40. Currently, though, we're still seeing those winds out of Tawasin sustained close to 40, but it is calm now stretching in towards the Fraser Valley and still some winds, though, areas near Tofino at 39. It is going to cool off tonight. We will see more of a clearing on the way. Temperatures will dip down to one, so bundle up for the early morning hours on Sunday. And then through the day tomorrow, it'll start to break up. We've got a partly cloudy sky for the morning and then mainly sunny by the afternoon and highs up to 12. Weather feature that we're following, a ridge of high pressure, it'll start to build it across the province. We're still seeing windy conditions through the day, especially tomorrow into the interior. And we still do have a few isolated flurries, especially if you're traveling along the mountain passes for higher elevations, but that'll start to dissipate and ease off as well. Upper level ridge, this is the dominant feature that's going to be bringing us that sunshine. We'll see it all the way towards the weekend. That's where we'll see the potentials with temperatures away from the water into the low 20s. The northern half of the province could still see some cloud cover in the morning. Breaks towards the afternoon along the coast will be up to 6 degrees. Central interior underneath a partly cloudy sky. Much of the southern interior break is on the way, but the winds are going to pick up. Could see gusts anywhere between 40 and up to 60 kilometers per hour. Temperatures still tomorrow still getting into the double digits up to 10. South coast will have a partly cloudy sky, more sunshine clearing towards the afternoon. We'll get up to 12 degrees for tomorrow, but it's really the long range forecast. Wednesday, Thursday, for example, areas away from the water, 20 and 21 degrees. So a spectacular forecast. We'll round off the weekend tomorrow with that sunshine and then wow. warming up into next week. Colleen? Wow. Wow, I, I don't think you could do better. <laughs> Thanks, Yvonne. <laughs> How's this for an incentive to get people vaccinated for COVID-19 if they need another one? The U.S. beer company, Sam Adams, has a little get a shot and a free beer campaign going on. The brand released a new ad this week to encourage people to get the COVID jab. The Shot for Sam program gets underway next week in the U.S. There are no such plans for it to go on here in Canada, where the vaccine uptake is very strong. It's for the first 10,000 people who share proof of their vaccination with the hashtag Shot for Sam on social media by May 15th or while supplies last. Hmm. Now that I think about it, maybe that needle isn't so bad after all. <laughs> no kidding. Followed up with a beer, it all makes <laughs> sense. I think you should have the beer first and yes. then the shot. Yeah, you could say that about a lot of things. No kidding. Know. What have you got coming up beer there? Beer first, yeah. Uh, well, as you mentioned earlier, the uh, Canucks, uh, they have a plan now. 
back uh, to get uh, the schedule, at least to get them back onto the ice, to be playing by next Friday. It's going to be a slow ramp up, so we'll go through all those details. Uh, suffice to say, it's going to be busy for these players uh, over the next four or five weeks or so. And at the Masters, a lot of Canadian content going on. Mm -hmm. Corey Connors right in the mix. We'll have extended highlights of that as well. Oh, looking forward to it. Thanks, Barry. Coming up next, frightening new COVID complications. Whether it be their lungs, their heart, their kidneys, and in some instances, even their brain. How COVID is leaving some young long haulers with the kinds of organ diseases only seen in the elderly. Next. We continue to learn more about the effects of COVID-19 on people who've had it. And for those referred to as long haulers, recovery is a slow, often painstaking process. And for some of them, achieving full recovery is still very much in question, with the virus having done serious damage. You're about to hear from one man who's grateful to be alive for a second time. After barely surviving COVID-19 in November, Aaron De Leon knew something was very wrong about two weeks ago. Having significantly more trouble breathing, my heart rate was accelerating. The East Texas security guard sought out his doctor twice before ending up in the hospital with a new diagnosis. I showed I had a significant amount of fluid around my heart. Potentially or probability is that it was caused by my bout with COVID. And so we saw a lot of this coming out of Italy. Was COVID-19 directly affecting the heart? Dr. Mark Casanova did not treat De Leon, but in general, explains what's now known about potential long-term effects of the coronavirus on the entire body for a subset of long haulers. One of their primary organs is significantly affected, whether it be their lungs, their heart, their kidneys, and in some instances, even their brain. In some cases, patients develop inflammation of the heart. And what that can do is actually weaken the heart muscle, uh, causing congestive heart failure. After emerging from a medically induced coma, De Leon returned home today with a new lease on life. As close as I can relate it to being born. Urging fellow long haulers to listen to your body. You know something's wrong with your, with your body. Keep getting help. Hmm. Coming up, Barry has sports, including the Canucks revised schedule. And right after that... Hello. Hey there. The rare wildlife encounter with this iconic Canadian animal as the news hour continues. The furry little visitor to a Stanley Park store. We're going to have that story for you right after Barry's sportscast. We are. Yes, we are. I'm, I'm curious to see how the Canucks are going to well, finish this year. <laughs> just doing the math earlier this week, it didn't. I couldn't see how they could have done it with uh, the parameters of the schedule. I knew they had to go at least a few days, and they're going to go a week. So, wow. at least they've given them some extra time. Thanks, Colleen. The Canucks now have a return-to-play schedule announced by the NHL late this afternoon. Now, as long as today's uh, COVID test results are negative, the Canucks will reopen their facilities tomorrow. They will be doing off-ice training and limited individual skating from tomorrow until Tuesday. The first team practice is scheduled for Wednesday with a return to game action scheduled for this Friday at Rogers against the Edmonton Oilers. The Canucks schedule has been rejigged and now they will finish on Sunday, May 16th, eight days longer than the original end date of May 8th. And five of the team's uh, seven postponed games will be played in that added week on in May. So it'll be 19 games 
in a 31-day span. So busy, busy for the team. NHL tonight, Habs and Jets. Canadians, eight points up on the Canucks for fourth. They both played 37 games. Second period, Jets open the scoring. Jake Allen aggressive on the poke check, but the Habs turn it over, and Paul Tastashny scores. Second period, Jets win the draw cleanly. Nick Ehlers fires the screenshot past Jake Allen, and it's 2-0 Jets, now 3-0 in the third on the power play. This is the way you move it with the man advantage. Andrew Kopp with the rapid release. Jets win this one 5-0, so that is good news for the Canucks. First place Leafs, last place Senators from Toronto. Austin Matthews leads the NHL in goals, and he kept the pedal down tonight. That is his 29th from Mitch Marner. What a sniper that Matthews is. A minute later, Leafs putting on a passing clinic. It'll be tick-tack goal, and it's Matthews again, the trigger man, his 30th in just 38 games, 2-0 Toronto. Second period, Ottawa roared back to take a 3-2 lead, but Mitch Marner tied it. Then he sets up Matthews for his hat-trick goal, 31st of the year, and the Leafs go on to win this one 6-5. Only one Canadian has ever won the Masters, Mike Weir, of course, back in 2003. But that victory inspired a group of young Canadian golfers who are flourishing on the PGA Tour today, one of them being Ontario's Corey Connors. Connors finished tied 10th at the 2020 Masters that they played in November, and he made a big move today to get into contention for his first ever green jacket. Augusta in full bloom. Not many more beautiful sights in golf than that. And for Canadian golf fans, Corey Connors was a sight for sore eyes today. Got it going at the third, knocks in the 24-footer, two under for the day, minus four for the tournament. And then this happened at the par 3-6, 182 yards. The first ever ace at Augusta was by a Canadian amateur back in 1934. 87 years later, Corey Connors does that it got him to five under next hole the tough seventh you always want to follow up an ace with something good don't want to give it back with a bogey and connor's does better than that 39 feet out one of the toughest holes on the course today and he pours it in for another birdie got it to six under and he's in the top three now but then lightning in the area a weather delay players off the course it would last about 78 minutes and that seemed to really interrupt Corey's momentum made a three-putt par at the 13th and then had to deal with this at the 14th after an errant tee shot and that would lead to a bogey so momentum lost the course Definitely softened up during the weather delay with the rain and cooler weather. And players started scoring. Xander Shoffley pours in the long eagle putt to get to seven under. And uh, he was tied for the lead at that moment. But moments later, Justin Rose, who's pretty much led from the beginning in this tournament, uh, retakes the lead, birdies the 12th, gets it to eight under. Meanwhile, back to Corey Connors at 17. And this is a fantastic approach to eight feet, and he would make that birdie, so he's back at six under par. But Japan's Hideki Matsuyama really put the pedal down. Check out the approach here at the par 5, 15th. Knocks it to six feet, and he would make that eagle, so we have a new leader at nine under, and Matsuyama just keeps going. Tee shot on the next hole, the par 3, 16th. And he's feeling it now, posing. When they pose like that, they like it. And what wouldn't you like about this? He loves it. Four feet, made another birdie, got it to 10 under par. Meanwhile, Connors at the 18th looking to finish strong. 
Boy, one of the pure iron players on the PGA Tour. He loves it. Hits the pin. Maybe a bit of an unlucky break. Rolled the 14 feet away. Would settle for par. So he's at six under. He's sixth. Five off the lead. Mackenzie Hughes, the other Canadian, tied 21st at even. Meanwhile, Matsuyama birdied 17 to get to 11 under at 18 in a bit of trouble. But hits an incredible chip shot to within a couple of feet to save par. Seven under 65 today. He's the leader at 11 under. Six under in the eight holes after the weather delay. He's got a four-shot lead on Shoffley, Leishman, Rose, and Zalatoris. And Connors just five back. The World Men's Curling Championships in Calgary are on pause right now because of positive COVID tests from players who were exiting the bubble. There's still one quarterfinal game to be played, plus two semis and the championship game. Canada was eliminated yesterday. Organizers hope to finish the event this weekend, but it depends if there are any more positive tests among those still in the bubble. Vancouver Whitecaps will open their regular season a week from tomorrow against Portland. Today, a preseason match in Chicago. And good news, Lucas Cavallini, two goals for Vancouver. That's a great sign. He had such a stuttering start last year with the covid Two goals for him today. 3-2 Vancouver beats Chicago. NBA tonight. Raptors and Cavaliers. Toronto without Siakam. Lowry and Van Vliet tonight all injured. That's not great news. But the Canadian Chris Boucher taking advantage of more playing time. He had a career high 38-19 and the other night against Chicago. Gets the layup there. And then the defense. How about that block? He's in the top five in blocks in the NBA. Over a hundred of them now this year. That leads to this DeAndre Bembray jam. 24-12 wraps. Even without three of their top guys, Toronto put up a season high 47 in the first quarter. Utah Watanabe's three at the buzzer made it 47-26 after one. The Raptors couldn't miss or Gary Trent Jr. rather couldn't miss. How about this with the three-pointer? Six for six at that point from the field for Trent Jr., who's been great since the trade from Portland. Toronto led by 33. Trent Jr. wasn't done. He hit his first nine shots, and he had 25 at the half, finished with a career-high 44. Then Chris Boucher with the three as the wrap set a franchise record with 87 first-half points, and they go on to win at 135-115. English Premiership, first place Man City won't be caught. Huge lead of 14 points over second place Man United. Taking on Leeds today, needed this goal from Ferran Torres to equalize. Ties at 1-1, but Leeds down to 10 men. Somehow pull it out. Stuart Dallas showing off his speed. Then finishes it and leads shock Man City 2-1, but City still with a big lead at the top. Chelsea and Crystal Palace, the London Derby, but an American stole the show for the Blues. Christian Pulisic hammers one to the roof of the goal from the uh, in close. That's a great shot to elevate the ball. 2-0 Chelsea, 10 minutes in, and now 3-1 in the second half. It's Pulisic again, second of the match. Chelsea win 4-1. They're now fourth with 54 points, two ahead of fifth place. Liverpool, And we want to finish with this. Connor Bedard's final Western League game of the season last night ended exactly how it started. Two more goals for the 15-year-old Phenom is uh, playing with a heavy heart as his grandfather Garth passed away in a motor vehicle accident this past Tuesday. But he wanted to play this game before he came home today. And then he scores the game winner in overtime. Isn't that fitting? It's amazing at that age how the great ones rise to the occasion. What a gift uh, 
for his late grandfather. Two won the final. He's got 12 goals and 28 points in just uh, 15 games, and now he's off to the under-18 uh, championships for Canada. But uh, flying home today, we understand, to, to be with his family to grieve the loss of his grandfather. And our condolences mm -hmm. go out to his family and him. Thank mm -hmm. you so much, Barry. When we come back, the very wild Canadian experience at a local gift shop we'll show you next. A very Canadian visitor earlier this week. Have a look. Hello. Hey there. This beaver shuffled over to the store Legends of the Moon at the Stanley Park Totem Poles on Tuesday. Staff members say he stopped for lunch at the Totem Poles, then tried to wander into the gift shop. After parking himself outside for some photos, Park Board employees used a broom to corral the chubby rodent into a garbage bin. He was taken to Critter Care in Langley, where the staff says that he was dehydrated, but otherwise healthy enough to be released back into the wild on Thursday. The Wildlife Society believes the beaver is a two-year-old kicked out of his house by his family unit, which is normal. Looking for nickels. Hey, find, yeah, he was yeah. looking for a mate not to find a <laughs> That's the news hour for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Jordan is here at 11. Stay with us for the new reality. Good night.